Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Do you know you can now win prizes such as a Starbucks gift card, Concord tickets, or car swag for being the first to answer an entertaining trivia question? Get the weekly trivia question by following me on Instagram or Facebook at The Collector Car Podcast and just DM me your answer. The first person with the correct answer wins. Also, as a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. I'm very excited to have a special guest today that's very busy in the automotive world, Tom Cotter. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm great, Greg. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being on my little show. I really appreciate it. And if you would, could you kind of give us an overview of all your automotive stuff you've been up to, including how you got started with the Haggerty Barn Fine Hunter? That's a lot. You got about two hours? <laughs> sure, why not? You know, I mean, yeah, if, if, if I had to tell you, you know, how I came to Barn Fine Hunter, I'd have to start, you know, when I was six years old, literally, you know. So I was probably six years old when I found in the woods, it was either a 32 Ford High Boy, a uh, 32 Ford Roadster or a Model A Roadster. And I remember it was in, in the woods next to my school and... And I remember this body in the woods, and I said, you know, I know what hot rods look like. I wonder if I could get big snow tires and put in the back and bicycle wheels in the front and make it look like a hot rod. Yeah. And, you know, then I went off to play baseball and forgot about it. But, um, you know, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a one-trick pony. I I am <laughs> only a car guy. I've never played golf in my life. I don't fish. I don't hunt. I don't follow sports. I just I do one thing. So if I go to a party, I'm either, like, the most boring guy there or the coolest guy there, depending on who's <laughs> who's in the party. So uh, you know, uh, I've done just about everything I can you can do in the automotive world. Um, when I got out of school, I opened a repair shop. Uh, then uh, I, I worked in an auto parts store before that. Then a repair shop. Then uh, a car salesman. And yeah. I found out that there's this, this career called public relations that you know I like to write, and I liked uh, kind of the selling of an idea. And so I got into PR, not really knowing what it was, but it turned out it was exactly what I loved. Uh, moved from New York to um, North Carolina to get involved in racing. It was actually mostly NASCAR racing. I was PR director at Charlotte Motor Speedway and then left four years later to open an agency and did that for 20 years and sold the agency, uh, bought a Cobra, started to write books, uh, after my 16th, no, probably after my 12th book, Haggerty called and said, you know, we like your books, we, the Barn Fight series. We'd like to consider doing something like that on video. Would you try it? And so you now here I am today, uh, still writing books, although not as many, doing our fifth year of Barn Fight Hunter. Right. And, uh, yeah, life, life is good. So what year did you buy your Cobra, and exactly what did you buy, and do you still have it? I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My uh, email address is uh, csx2490.com, and, and CSX means Carol, C, S is Shelby, and X is Export, and my chassis number is 2490, which is the 490th 289 built. So I bought it in 2001 and drove it from uh, Walnut Creek, California, which is uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, to North Carolina. Uh, with a buddy of mine, Peter Egan, and he wrote a great story in Road and Track magazine about 
you know, helping a friend drive a Cobra cross country. And since then, you know, the, the Cobra was a dream car since maybe in fifth grade. Since I bought the car, and that was a 30, 3,800 mile trip, I think, cross country. We didn't wow. go a direct route, just north and south, always heading east, but going where the two lane roads took us. Yep. And uh, so since then, I've driven the car every year on major tours. I put on tours for real Cobras. 289s and 427s, and uh, uh, driven it all over the United States. It's been to Alaska, where it was wow. attacked by a bear, which is a whole other story. <laughs> I guess I have these crazy ideas. I, I would like to take one trip with the car and drive it to all 48 contiguous states. It's already been to Alaska. And then if I take it to Hawaii, it will have been the only Cobra that's been to 50 states. I don't, I don't sit around and have a trailer queen. I, I drive the wheels off my cars. So is it a 260, 289, 427, 428 car? It's a, a 289. Um, okay. If, so if it's CS, CSX2, that means it's a small block. So it could be a 260 or 289. And if it's a CSX3 and then the number, then uh, it's a 427 or 428. So it's a, a CSX2490. It's a plain Jane Cobra that I've always admired, you know, no roll bar, no side pipes, no Weber carburetors. And, you know, it's just plain, plain, plain. It's got Autolite 4100 carburetor or cast iron, low rise manifold. Uh, doesn't have headers. It's got cast iron exhaust manifolds. Rack and pinion? Rack and pinion. Okay. Plain, plain car, painted wire wheels. And, you know, it's just it's just a lovely car to drive. 427s are, are neat to drive. You never have to downshift 427s. You just keep it in fourth gear and go drive it all day long. It's got so much torque. <laughs> the 289 is more of a sports car that, uh, you know, you, you dance with it like, you know, like a, it's, uh, you know, more like an Austin Healey or something like that. It's a, an Austin Healey with some more horsepower. Right, right, right. Wow. Well, now what was your first book? Was it Cobra in a Barn? Uh, my very first book was The History of Holman and Moody okay. Racing Team. And when I moved to Charlotte, uh, I was driving around my new you know, town. I was literally only here for couple of weeks and I drove past this huge facility near the airport it was a big old brick building all covered with weeds and you know uh, the driveway was all you know broken up and stuff and I didn't really pay attention to it until I passed by it and there was a, a gas a huge gas tank in the back and in faded letters it said competition proven home and moody I said oh my god it was a Sunday morning oh my god so I pulled the car over I walked around the building and peeked in windows and you know, it said, you know, personnel entrance and all that kind of stuff. The old signs were still there. And I said, man, if this building could talk, imagine what it could tell me about Mario Andretti or Fireball Roberts or Fred Lorenzen or Dan Gurney walking through the door here. And, you know, from that, uh, I, I decided to write a book about it. And so, you know, that was that first book. I guess that came out in probably 2000, 2001, 2002. And since then, I think I've written maybe 16 more. Okay, right. Yeah, I've read the Hemi in the Barn and the Cobra in the Barn. Those are the two I have personal connections with. Yeah, always uh -huh. like to read those stories about the amazing barn finds. And if you would, tell me what is your most famous or your top three barn finds either on the show or not on the show, just in totality. Okay, stuff in, stuff in the third. You know, like I've, I've, I've always dreamed about finding a, a Cobra in a barn. Uh, and I've done that. I mean, I've, I've found a... Uh, a 289 in a barn. I found a 427 in a barn that was parked next to a, a Ferrari 275 GTV. Like, wow, they were there for 42 years. Yeah. So I'd have to say, 
you know, but then there's Pegasos and Panteras, and, you know, and then there's cars that don't, they're not such monumental cars, but the story is amazing, you know, that, you know, that somebody dreamed about owning this car from the time they were 15, and they were finally able to buy it when they were 60, the same car, you know, right. so, you know, Bond finds, it, it's almost more story than car, but if, if I were to say, you know, to me, I guess, you know, monetarily, the most uh, un- unbelievable finds would be the uh, the 289 Cobra that I, it was in uh, uh, Indiana, and a raccoon had been living in it, in a shed. <laughs> uh, then I'd go the Ferrari and the Cobra that were in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and mice had been living in those things, and they had been parked for 42 years, and they smelled, and ugh. But the guy wound up getting three and a half million for him. And right. then, but for me personally, my all-time favorite barn find is the one that's sitting in my garage, and it's it's called a Cunningham. Um, it was built oh, wow. by a, a gentleman named Briggs Cunningham in 1952, and I had always dreamed of owning a Cunningham. But you know, how does somebody own one of 25 cars? You know, how does somebody? How can that happen? Like how? Can, and and I you know, but I have a nose that sniffs out these things. And I just, I always, you know, keep my ears open and hear people talking. And, and somebody said, you know, I, I know where there's a Cunningham. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> right. You know where there's a Cunningham. How can that be? Well, son of a gun, in Greenville, South Carolina, there was a, a Cunningham C3 coupe, the second one built, uh, that had been sitting in a guy's basement. And, uh, you know, it took me a couple of years. I made friends with the guy. It took me a couple of years to convince him I was the worthy next owner of it. Right. But, Son of a gun, I own a Cunningham. So now besides having, you know, I'm looking at right now, uh, a shelf of toys and models and T-shirts and hats and artwork and books, um, all Cunningham related that I've been saving for years. I had everything but the car, and now I've got the car. And on top of that, I got to become, you know, I, I met Briggs when he was still, this was back in, what, 1983, I met Briggs Cunningham. Uh, I met his, uh, his his son, his two daughters, his grandchildren, um, and his daughter, Lucy, who passed away a few years ago, she gave me her father's fur coat. It's a um, raccoon coat that he got when he was a freshman at Yale, 1926. Oh, wow. uh, you needed a coat like that to go to a football game because in Connecticut in the wintertime it was like you know really cold so he he got this coat and it's you know it says inside they're made expressly for Briggs S. Cunningham and she know she knew that like I was the ultimate guy that would appreciate his coat and and she gave it to me and uh so I've got Briggs's college coat you know wow. like wow so now you know, is like, it white with blue stripes <laughs> no, it's a raccoon. I haven't seen too many raccoons. No. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. It's a car white with Bruce. Bruce oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, he, Briggs, in order to race at Lamar, you had to homologate a car. Homologation means that you have to build so many street cars before you're eligible to build a race car. And so Jaguar built street cars and Ferrari built street cars and Aston Martin built street cars. To race at Lamar, you had to build street cars. You had to be a manufacturer. So, Briggs became a reluctant car manufacturer. He had to build 25 streetcars. So he built a model called the C3, and uh, the, so it was made at this facility in West Palm Beach, Florida. They, they welded up a frame, 
that was the same as his, as his racing cars, put a, a 331 Chrysler Hemi with four carburetors on it, um, a Cadillac gearbox, and then they shipped that running chassis to Italy, and um, a company named Vignali built a body out of aluminum in the town of Torino, or Turin, whichever you want to call it. Um, and so it's, it's the ultimate it's the ultimate car to me. It's, it's an American hot rod with a, an Italian body. It's just amazing. It's a, uh, Vignali was the same company that built bodies for, you know, Aston Martins and Ferraris. And, uh, so it, it has a very Ferrari look to it. Um, 25 were built. 25 still exist. And, and I'm part of a very mm, elite group, I guess, of owners of Cunningham's because if you take the 25 streetcars that were built in, um, with Vignali bodies and then two that were built with American bodies, that's 27, and then there were uh, nine more race cars that were built in total. So there were 36 Cunninghams ever built in the world, race cars and streetcars. One was demolished in a race at Pebble Beach in the 50s, so that goes down to 35 all 35 still exist today. It's just amazing that through nearly 70 years, no car was lost to a junkyard, uh, you know, being scrapped out, being totaled, whatever. Uh, one car was lost in a race, but every single one besides that exists today. So it's, it's a really cool little group. Yeah, and it's a beautiful car. And I've watched the uh, restoration videos on Jay Leno's channel. He's got his, and... He's got three or I four sold, videos. I sold him that car. I sold you did, that really? Car, That's a beautiful yeah, car. Really, yeah. Pretty crazy story, but my car was once owned by a Presbyterian minister, and uh, he lost it in a garage lien. He didn't pay for a, a, a repair bill or a storage bill or something like that, so he lost it to the mechanic. Well, a couple of years later, he bought another Cunningham, and so I own the car he lost in the garage lien, and Jay owns the car, which was the... Uh, uh, the, the second Cunningham he bought. And interestingly, the two Cunninghams had never met before because they were about a year and a half different in uh, production date. But in my garage, they met. The two cars that sat side by side in my garage for a couple of months were once owned by the same Presbyterian minister. I mean, that what a crazy wow. story. Jeez. That is crazy. Yeah, and I've actually seen three in person. The other one I've seen was down at Keeneland Concord a couple years ago in Louisville. I believe it was in yep. Louisville. And then uh, one, I, I won't say where, but it was at a high-end restoration shop, and it was having a Hemi engine put into it, a new one. And so uh, somewhere outside of Boston somewhere. So I don't know who has that one, and they're running around with it. No, I know. that The guy that owns New Balance Shoe Company owns that car, and it was built by Paul Russell in Essex, Massachusetts. And uh, quite a few people have actually done what Briggs Cunningham would have done had he had the you know the, the the equipment at the time you know so they they've put in five speed gearboxes or air conditioning or a later Hemi but all of them have been done to a point just to make them more rotable for tours and rallies but all of them can be switched right back to an original car they all have the original equipment and within you know several weeks of working they can make it original again so it's it's kind of like you know Briggs I think would would smile and look kindly upon that. Right, right. Now, you talked about the AC Cobra and the Cunningham. What else is in your garage? Anything else cool in there? Nah, really. Only 18 other cars. <laughs> well, if you had to pick one of the 18 other cars, which would be the third one on your list you'd like to talk about? Uh, well, I guess my 39 Ford Woody Wagon. Um, 
it's it's a companion on my show, Barn Find Hunter. Yep. Um, and uh, it's a car that uh, you know it's it's been you know to California me a number of times. I drive it all over the United States, uh, and I bought it when I was 16 years old, uh, 15 years old. I paid $300 for it in 1969, and uh, you know for most of its life while I've owned it. So let me see, 69, 69. So I bought it 51 years ago. Oh, how old did that make me? Holy crap. <laughs> um, so I bought it uh, in 69, and it had a flathead for you know all but the, like, the last dozen years. And uh, now it's got a later model drivetrain to make it more reliable. It's got air conditioning, power steering. And in some ways, it made me cringe to think I'm going to make a hot rod out of it. But in fact, I've gotten so much more joy and usefulness out of the car than if it were original. Uh, still with a flathead and a three-speed and whatever. So, um, yeah, a great it's, – it's like, you know, my friend. It's like, you know, a comfortable pair of jeans that I can just get in that car right now and drive to California if somebody dared me. That's the one in the Barn Find Hunter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's great because I know you've mentioned it often on in your videos, you know, rolling up in that car gives you – or, you know, gives you much more credibility than rolling up in, like, a Taurus or a, a Camry or something. You know, if I drive up some crabby guy's driveway, and, you know, I know when I knock on the door, he looks out the window and says to his wife, oh, God, is somebody else, you know, going to, you know, ask about the the Z28 in the carport? And he opens the door and sees my car, and suddenly I'm as interesting to him as he is to me. Yeah. And, you know, come on in, have a glass of iced tea. We'll talk about the car. You know, I can't tell you what an icebreaker having a car like that is, you know, and, and, and I strongly recommend to people who want to go out you know, hunting for cars like I do. If you drive something interesting, you will find something interesting because of what you've driven. If right. you're driving a black suburban, you know, forget about it. You know, you, you, nobody's going to give you a hand. But if you're driving something cool and you go to get gas and people come up and talk to you, that be, begins communication that, you know, within an hour you could be looking at stuff that people haven't seen for half a century. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, what kind of collector car market trends are you seeing out there? I mean, it's kind of hard to say right now with everything going on with the pandemic, but what kind of trends are you seeing out there? I think a lot of uncertainty. You know, I've got several cars I want to sell, and I was, in fact, going to you know, put them on Bring a Trailer, like, right now. But, you know, with the stock market down 30%, I'm not sure where people would get the money to pull out of um, to to buy a car right now. So trends, uh, you know, we're talking about Cobra. I'd say Cobras have gone from a peak probably of five years ago to now they've probably gone down somewhere between 15 and 20% in value from the peak, which doesn't make any difference to me. I didn't buy my Cobra for profit. and I didn't buy it to sell. Um, I, I bought it because I've been dreaming about owning a car like that since I'm a kid. And, and if it went down to, you know, down in value, 90%. I still would, I, you know, it's my friend, it's my car, it's, it's a thing right. I love. So, but trends, uh, I see uh, people, and I think it's like through Bring a Trailer or probably Bring a Trailer, are unusual cars are coming to the fore now. Uh, cars like, you know, cars that people wouldn't have even been drawn to a decade ago. Now, like, you know, a Hillman Mink station wagon or an old Peugeot. 405 or, uh, you know, Volkswagen Beetles, of course, and Volkswagen buses, cars that are unusual. People love unusual cars to be able to go to a, a Cars and Coffee and, and see cars that, what the heck is that thing, you know? 
Volvo P1800s and things like that. So I, I like this trend because cars that normally would have been discarded and scrapped are now, they have a second life. Yeah. Now in all of your buying and selling and seeing and everything else, what car has gotten away from you that you wish you had in your garage? Uh, well, I, I don't do much selling. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> as I told my wife, I'm an, I'm an easy buyer and a hard seller. Right. Because uh, I, I fall in love with cars easily, and then they become a part of the family, and selling them become, becomes something that's difficult for me to do. But now I'm faced with, you know, I, I have 20 cars. I just need to get rid of some. So, uh, so in other words, a car that I wish I had owned and, and didn't own. Yeah, one that got away from you. Mm. Or maybe they didn't. Yeah. Maybe they're in your garage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they didn't. You know, like the, the car I dreamed of owning was a Cobra. The car I dreamed of owning was a... A Cunningham, the car I dreamed of owning was a Woody. You know, I've got those. And I've got nice other cars to kind of fill in the gaps. A Sunbeam Tiger, a GT350, Shelby, a Mini Cooper, a Morris Minor, MGTD. Uh, I have a 53 Ford station wagon that I bought when I was in high school for 85 bucks. I have a 1960 Volkswagen convertible, all original 36 horsepower with a Judson supercharger on it, which was a period accessory. you know, a, a, a 427 Mercury Cougar, which is a really rare car called a GT. Very rare. Yep. Uh, I've got the big 67 Ford Country Squire wagon with 428 and a four-speed. Uh, just, you know, I'm, I've been fortunate enough that if I find something that I've, I'm passionate about, I, I can own it. And, uh, you know, so I, I've, I, I, don't, I don't get rid of cars quickly. I don't flip them easily. And cars that are with me are with me for a long time. You know, I've got some cars... Well, like the Woody, 51 years later, um, uh, the you know my Volkswagen Beetle I've had, I bought it 40 years ago this year. Wow. My car from my high school 53 Ford wagon, I bought that in '72 when I was a senior. So these you know cars stay with me a long time, and 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 I I don't keep cars because oh that's the right car, it's going to be valuable. They're just my friends, like they, right. they become part of me, and even if I don't drive something for a year, it's still my friend. <laughs> right. Right, yeah. Now, what's next for the barn find hunter? Are you grounded for a little bit? We're grounded for a little bit. A new episode hit today, which is kind of cool because uh, one of the people I I interview is my son, who lives in Atlanta, and he's also a car guy. And you know, we kind of take a look at a couple of cars in his garage that he bought as you know as barn finds and got them refurbished. Um, just before the pandemic hit. Uh, we made a, a barn find hunter trip to England, and we spent a week and a half over there looking for stuff. So that's, you know, we kind of broke the ice now. We've we've gone outside the United States, which leads to all sorts of interesting future possibilities of certainly, you know, Canada. I don't know about Mexico. Maybe something in South America, but certainly more Europe and maybe back to England again because I saw lots of cool things that we didn't have time to kind of pursue. Uh, Scotland, Ireland. Um, so, you know, that, I love traveling. I love meeting people. I love, you know, hearing the stories about cars and, and I love accents. And so far, you know, in the Born Fun Hunter series, we've had New England accents from, from Maine. We've had Southern accents from the Southeast United States. We've had, uh, um, you know, various accents from around the country. And now, you know, we've had British accents. So it's, it's kind of cool to, to get people's reactions at the bottom of my videos, people respond to those accents, and I really dig that. I had any plans to go to Cuba to see all those cars from the 1950s? Well, I've been there a number of times, and I wrote a book about it. Uh, Bill Warner and I wrote a book called The Cuban Car Culture, 
and uh, it, it covers the whole um, history of cars in Cuba from the very first cars, turn of the last century, to the present, and, and includes all the, the racing that went over there, the Grand Prix racing, Fonjo being kidnapped, and Carroll Shelby raced over there, and whatever. So I'm way ahead of you, pal. <laughs> I knew you would be. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to alert you of a potential barn fine, other than calling me directly first? <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know I, I appreciate people giving me leads, but I don't want to become bar, uh, you know, American Pickers. American yeah. Pickers is a neat show. It's entertaining. But I have to tell you, it's not really authentic. People give them leads. They send teams out to analyze and and evaluate the stuff, and and all the pieces that are sold on that show are negotiated ahead of time. Right. There's no real surprises when they open a barn door. They know exactly what's in there, and I don't want to become that. So I I just like to keep hunting for cars the old-fashioned way, which is you know asking for leads at the local repair shop and going to a junkyard and who who buys these parts and going to that guy's house. And, you know, I just looking over my shoulder on the left to the right as I go down the road behind buildings. <laughs> I, right. I like to do it the way, uh, you know, the way I used to do it half a century ago. No, that's awesome. That's great to know, and it's great to know that what you see is what you get on the barn find hunter. That's awesome. I, I try to keep it authentic. Yeah. All right. Well, the last thing I want to do with you is to play my little game called Keep Cash and Crush. So I give you three cars. You have to tell me which one you want to keep forever. Uh, you have to tell me which one you want to cash in, and then which one you want to crush. And to to make it not too painful, I'm not choosing any Cunninghams or AC Cobras. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to pick three cars you've picked on your show. I am not picking the two million dollar Ferrari either, so I'm trying to you know be gentle somewhat. So yep, the first car I picked for you, and and, and these are in as found, and you're the one that knows how, how they were found, so you could educate us. But the '55 Mercedes Benz 300 SL alloy that you found a couple years ago. The uh, 57 Ferrari 250 GT Elena, and then the Porsche Speedster. So which one would you want to keep? Which one would you want to cash? And which one would you crush? And if you would, give us a little history on how those, you know, like kind of the condition they were in when you found them. Well, the first one's got me confused because I found a, a, a Gullwing, but it was not an alloy car. It was a steel oh, car. Oh, was, was it a prototype Gullwing? Well, it was an early model, real early, yeah. 55, I think. Yeah, then just the 55 Mercedes going. Okay, okay. Uh, let's think. Well, I think the uh, the car I would keep, and again, I'm into stories, and, yep. I'm, and I'm, I'm not into values. So the car I would keep is the Speedster. Uh, it was a woman in Texas whose husband owned that car when he met her. Uh, in the early 60s, they got married. Um, uh, he died of uh, ALS. The car was in the garage for 35, 40 years. Somehow, she got a hold of me and you know, said, I've got this whole car in my garage. Can you help me figure out how to get rid of it? I, I'm going to lose my house. I have no money coming in, whatever. And I went down to Texas and met her. And, and I just I fell in love with this woman. And you know, this, this car had been sitting in flat tires and stuff, but it was like a time capsule. And, uh, you know, they had a nice life together. He had a good job as an engineer, and then he got sick, and, and the car just sat in, sat in the garage since. And I, I I told her that I think it would, you know, she could probably get a good amount of money, and I put it towards an auction. And I'm sitting in an auction with her several months later, and, and she's holding onto my arm. And 
you know, the car starts bidding 50000 75000 100000 150000 175000 200000 and she looks up in the, in, the, in the ceiling and she says, he's still watching out for me. He still loves me. Wow. And, you know, she had shown me her wedding dress, the pictures of the wedding and all that stuff in her house. Wow. And and it went up selling for, I don't know, I think $320,000, which at the time for a barn find speedster was all the money. And she was crying like a baby. And, you know, people all around who, us in the audience were, were clapping for her. They felt so good. So that car had the story. And, and so that was that was the keeper. Um, I think the... Uh, the car I would, uh, the second one would be the Ferrari Elena. A similar story. A man had it. Uh, it was he bought it because he loved it. He used to bring Ferraris over from Italy and sell them in the states. But he, um, this one he fell in love with. Low mileage, solid, complete car, and drove it. You know, there was a family car for a while. When he passed away, he left to his son, and you know, his son's had it all these years, and, and out of respect for his dad, he never wanted to touch it. But now he, he wants to get it mechanically. You know, gone over so you can just drive it, um, and and I love that story. So I guess <laughs> if I if I could keep two, it would be that those two, because uh, selling, you know, what what all you get out of selling is cash, and cash is so cold. Um, right. And the car, I guess I would crush, <laughs> believe it or not, the Mercedes <laughs> because yeah, there was just nothing. There was no story to it. A guy bought it. Many, many years ago, a guy that owned a Cadillac dealership, and he had some money, and he bought that, and took it apart, and he was going to restore it, and, and it just sat in the warehouse for several decades and got surface rust all over it. Um, neat car, but it was just a neat car. It didn't have a neat story to it. There was no you know, heartwarming story that would bring tears to your eyes. It was just a, a piece of metal. So you know, if I had to crush a car, I guess that would be it. Okay. Well, and just so you know, you're the second – person that's crushed the going on this show so you're not alone <laughs> don't let that other, word get out oh, no 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 well the other one was a mercedes expert so you know that's mm-hmm. that's okay that's okay well thank you so much for our time today uh, i guess everybody can check you out on youtube right at haggerty's barn fine hunter just yeah go to youtube barn fine hunter and you know if go go to the bottom and leave comments i love reading those comments you know once in a while you get a jerk that you know has nothing nice to say about anything but most of the time, it's really heartwarming to see that after five years now, people think I'm their friend. And, and I'm like, like this, this current episode that came out today, it's got my son in it. And they said, thanks so much for introducing us to your son. We, oh, what a great family. And you guys, you can see how close you are. Man, it's like these, these people are my friends. So uh, uh, you leave a comment if you, like, if you like what you see. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It was a blast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.